0: Since 1971, Beauty O Books has specialized in ornithology and natural history. They're a small, family owned and operated mail order bookstore with the largest selection of new, used, and rare birding and ornithology books in the world and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Find field guides, travel guides, ornithology, natural history, humor, even children's books to inspire the next generation's love of nature. Visit beautyobooks.com to find everything you're looking for, and ABA members receive 10% off. Hello and welcome to the American Birding Podcast from the American Birding Association. I am your host, Nate Swick. You might remember a couple months ago, I had the opportunity to get out of the ABA area, travel to Colombia, that spectacular, unbelievably biodiverse, really hot birding destination in Northern South America. Today, I am going to take you there with me in the medium of podcast which I I really admit is a less than satisfactory way to experience Colombia with all its gorgeous birds and orchids and butterflies and Andean vistas. But it is the medium of which I have the most control. And at the very least, it is sort of a unique way to explore the country. Uh, Before we get going on all that, I would like to thank the groups who made that trip possible. ProColumbia, which does an amazing job promoting tourism. Including bird and nature tourism in Colombia, the nation clearly sees its biodiversity as an asset. And it is that sort of focus that not only helps protect a lot of the places with a lot of the birds that we want to see, but also provides a sustainable industry and jobs, ideally, for the people in those places. We are a big fan of nature tourism at the ABA and have always found a willing partner in Pro And second, Thank you to Swarovski Optic, whose most excellent NL Pure binoculars were made available to the participants on this trip while we were down there. It's hard not to sound overly commercial here with something like this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, The people at Swarovski care deeply about making incredible optics and also partnering with local initiatives on the ground to protect the birds and other wildlife that people use their products to see. It does make sense. It is not something that they make a huge deal about, but it is a big part of what they do. Uh, Big shout out to Dale, Dale Don Dale, Forbes, for everything, including some of the audio clips used in this episode. So let's get to it. We'll drop into the Colombian Central Andes right after this week's Rare Birds. This is your Rare Bird Focus for the middle of October 2021. It has been an exceptional month for Dusky Warbler. Perhaps we should have seen high numbers of this East Asian long distance migrant on Gamble, Alaska this fall as a harbinger of things to come. They are annual, but multiple birds were seen in September, which was somewhat unusual, suggesting that a lot of dusky warblers were misoriented. And that pattern has come to pass down the Pacific coast as at least two have turned up in the last couple weeks in California, one in Marin County in the North and one in Los Angeles County in the South. They were also joined by Oregon's first record of that species, which is surprising considering how many records California has. That was in Lane County, leaving BC and Washington yet to get on the board this fall. Oregon was hardly the only state or province to net a first record this week in Nevada. A Nelson sparrow in Clark County represents a first for that state. Interestingly, California had one earlier this fall, farther north near Lake Tahoe, only a few miles from the Nevada border. So nice that one actually got in the state of Nevada. Up to Saskatchewan, where a Kentucky warbler in Saskatoon is a provincial first and part of a push of southern species into the prairie provinces, which also included a Crested Caracara in Saltcoats and Alberta's second yellow crowned night heron in Calgary. And to the east, where Georgia gets its long-awaited first record of fork-tailed flycatcher in coastal Chatham County. It is somewhat shocking this was only the first, considering how regular that species has been in recent years in the east, but nonetheless... And up the coast in Maryland, where a Kirtland's warbler in Baltimore represents a first confirmed record for that species, no doubt a result of the increasing population due to successful conservation efforts on the bird's breeding grounds in Michigan. So we all benefit. Those are the highlights in the rare bird world this week. If you want the entire roundup, check out the rare bird alert on Fridays at aba.org RBA. And if that isn't enough to sate your rare bird craving, join ABA Rare Bird Alert on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at ABA Bird Alert. let's talk for a minute about ant pittas for many savvy birders with experience in central and south america ant pittas are sort of the holy grail of neotropical birding that might seem like an odd thing to say about a part of the world that boasts neon colored tanagers chatty parrots and pretty much all of the world's hummingbirds but ant pittas are different For starters, they are extraordinarily bizarre. As a family, they are plump, long-legged, tailless, chunky-headed, frequently described as a grapefruit on stilts, though the smaller ones are really more like a mandarin orange on stilts. In fact, the family name, Grilariadi, means stilt walker. They bop around on the densely vegetated forest floor like weirdly proportioned robins in a way that makes them super endearing. At least in the way that most birders see them these days. Because the other thing about ant pittas, the thing that contributed the most to their holy grail status, was that until relatively recently, they were incredibly difficult to see well. You can hear them. Many are quite loud. Their whistled calls carry really well. They frequently will come very close but stay sort of maddeningly out of sight. But getting a look at them, it used to require playback, maybe a little bit of bushwhacking and patience. Lots and lots of patience. But not anymore. Now they come to you. Sophie, Sophie by the way, is a brown-banded ant pitta, a Colombian, endemic, highly desirable bird. Where I am... At Rio Blanco, near the city of Manizales, in the Colombian Central Andes, is probably the best place in the world to see one. Because Sophie has been trained to come to Earthworms at a very specific time of day for a crowd of birdwatchers to gawk at. But Sophie does not want to come out this morning. We're not here at the right time. She's staying just out of view. Obviously a little confused by our unscheduled requests. The chestnut-crowned antpittas whose voices sound like a third grader learning to whistle, however, don't seem to mind. They're, they're hopping around at our feet. This is the new normal for the holy grail of neotropic birding.
1: If you need an antvita to come, to, to get habituated, what you need to do is having loads of patience. Man.
0: That's Diego Calderon a Colombian birder, researcher, and guide who might have birded more of the country than anyone else on the planet. He was one of our companions on this trip to the central Andes.
1: You know, everyone thinks that Angel Paz invented the thing in Ecuador, and that's, you know, that's absolutely true. But at the same time, it was happening here, it was convergent, you know, it was happening here in the western Andes. Uh, This this lady called um, Lucia, Lucia in the western Andes, you have to spend, like, every day for probably a couple of months, at least, at the very same place every morning where the amfitas are happy. So you have to study their natural territories, where they sleep, where they are singing every, you know, like the first first bouts in the morning. And then choose a place. And, of course, choosing a place needs to be in, in, in frequency with the birders, with the visitors, with the photographers, the light, the angle, the time of the day, everything. And then choose a place and go every morning at the very same time of the day Whistle the bird, if you if you have the ability to whistle, to play back whistling or playing a little bit of, of tape. And then, you know, eventually the birds are going to get curious and then you're going to throw uh, worms at them. Uh, or, you know, like big larvae of of, of weevils and stuff like that. That, that. That's the favorite. And eventually, I mean, with, with a lot of luck, they will know that there is food there and that there are no predators. And all this is like marvelously, you know, like free, cheap food for them. And you know it can take. I when we when we were feeding the new species down here in Cali, I was a full month in the field with the guy that I mean the, the antpitta whisperer, you know Arturo, and and it never came. It, it came like almost two months later. So this this thing takes time and and patience, 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 patience. It's it's crazy.
0: The long, slow building of trust between antpitta and weevil larva-bearing human is somewhat incongruous with the relatively quick rise of Colombia as a bird tourism destination. It wasn't all that long ago that the nation was in the midst of a multi-decade civil war of sorts, a conflict between government forces, guerrilla groups, and paramilitary organizations against the backdrop, and frequently with the collusion of powerful drug cartels which for years have defined Colombia in the popular culture. It's hard to talk about Colombia without mentioning that unfortunate history, but it's just as important to note how fast things have changed for the better here, and how ready Colombians are to share their country with the rest of the world, with birds and nature a huge part of that.
2: People don't realize how hurtful and and rude it is for someone to say, "Oh, have you watched Narcos?" or or "Have you like, oh yeah, Pablo Escobar?"
0: Eliana Ardila is a friend of the ABA. You might remember when I talked to her and her husband, Mark Kramer, during the big year they undertook in their Volkswagen bus, birding by bus. They parlayed that birding world notoriety into a small tourism business focusing mostly on Colombia, where Eliana is from. They were down there at the same time I was with a group of American tourists working a similar route, so we ran into them a couple times and it was fun to share notes and basically geek out about the birds we were seeing.
2: There's so much more to Colombia than that. Even even when we were having those hardships in Colombia in the eighties or nineties, Colombia still has so much more than that. And now, you know, like I I would like to say that we have passed past that very difficult time of Colombia. That it, it just there's just so much more to be seen. Like I I get all sensitive and I get all emotional when I I am in Colombia and I I know that for this tour that we just had, there were. I think I was crying almost every day and I'm like, what the heck is going on, you know? And it was just this happiness that I felt that I was showing so many people what the real Colombia is, you know, how like how amazing it truly is and how like happy it makes us that you are giving us a second chance, that you are giving us the opportunity of having you there.
0: That certainly seems to be the mentality of a lot of entrepreneurs making their way into this growing field. The first time I ever visited Colombia was almost exactly five years ago. I got to go to the same region of the country, the central Andes near Manizales, that I had been to in 2016. And I have to say, even in those five years, a lot has happened. There are more places to bird. There are more Colombians who have recognized that preserving habitat on their properties, especially if those properties have cool birds, a pretty effective way to build a business. I want to focus a little bit on one of those places that really left an impression. It's called Hacienda El Bosque.
2: And that is a, a dairy farm and they have a lot of lands. And when they realized that they had all these unique birds that people are willing to come pay to see it, they are doing a terrific, amazing job on saying, you know what, Let's preserve this piece of land, let's, do, let's set up a, a very eco-friendly restaurant and amazing customer service because there's foreigners that want to come uh, here for this. So instead of us putting cattle here, let's save the trees and let the birders come see the birds.
1: They, they feel empowered, you know, like, oh, our knowledge and, and our land, our forest is interesting, it's, it's beautiful to see how it's been changing the, the way people relate to their land, to conservation, to feel that their knowledge and their birds and their nature it's it's is valuable for some people.
2: They're doing an amazing job there. Like I, the uh, I talked to Juan, which is uh, the, the the son of the owner and the one that was helping us there. And they, like they really want to make things better and better. Like I was talking to him about, you know, like making sure that all their glass windows, because they have a lot of glass. You know, like the restaurant is all glass. So I said, you know, you just be very careful where window strikes on with the birds. And he's like, wow, what can I do to make sure that we don't have any strikes? And he was just so interested. And and just learning and making sure that they do a better job every single day. So it was just so nice to see. You
1: no, know, conservation pays, and that's that's a way to, to find it.
2: And that, to me, that's how Colombians are in general. Like, you, you just go, every place you go, people are so welcoming. People are so happy to have you there. People are so polite. And for me, it's just so refreshing to see anytime you visit Colombia that that's why you're going to see it. So it's 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 really cool.
0: I would be failing in my responsibilities as host of a birding podcast if I didn't talk about the birds we saw up there. After hopping off the road and driving past the dairy up to a little restaurant that looks out over the mountains, you are treated to a mural portraying the showstoppers that you are about to see, all while you enjoy a lovely local breakfast. Then, at the time determined by the ant Pitta whisperers, you head out to three stations, one after another. The first for equatorial ant pitta, an unbearably cute little red-brown thing. The second, or crescent-faced ant pitta, one of the smaller antpittas with a lovely, intricate, waning moon pattern on its face and a streaky chest. And the third, for the absolutely stunning gray-breasted mountain toucan, which, for my money, is the nicest of the mountain toucans itself, a genus full of gray-blue stunners with patchwork bills. And that's without getting into the birds you see along the way, the sword-billed hummingbirds and barred fruit-eaters and shining sunbeams and black-crested warblers. It's almost too much and some of the easiest birding you could ever enjoy. But beyond all that, the thing that really impressed me about Hacienda del Bosque was that our group of serious, mostly foreign birdwatchers were not the only people there. We were joined by a number of Colombians there just because they enjoyed nature and birding, too. It's one of the things that has always impressed me about Colombia. There is a local birding community that is unique in the neotropics. And it's a big part of what is driving the opportunities in parts of the country that continue to open up safely.
1: you know, our birding community grew up isolated from the world. We didn't have researchers coming, we have tourists coming. So it was pretty engaged, attached to the academical side of the ornithology thing. And then the local community is so huge that, you know, I I don't know if you compare it, of course, like Brazil is a huge country and Argentina has a a long tradition. But if you compare it to the other Latin American countries, the birding here is pretty strong domestically. So a lot of a lot of these you know areas that you go birding are research explore scouted just by guys with cameras and stuff and they don't care about the business they are just they're just like going birding for fun f- on the weekends so
2: colombia is a really big country and i feel like there are all these pockets all through colombia of all these birders that are not necessarily birding because it's their job or their guides but because they're doing it because they're passionate about it like they want to see wow what's there like like they want to find as many species as possible
1: it's it's all a neat you know snowball kind of growing and growing and helping each other i remember easily 10 12 years ago the first guys with compact cameras started to go birding without binoculars and this was a huge boom and they were doing new records for the country new records for the states like you know, everywhere. There's just going with cameras and, and exploring. So it's it's a pretty pretty unique situation what, what we have here indeed.
2: I feel like nature is in overblood. Like you are in one of the most biodiverse countries in the world. Like we have so much of it and I feel like it's just automatic that you are gonna be passionate about nature. Like I remember like as 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 a kid just being so interested in everything that like the the nature and the birds. And even though I wasn't a birder, I appreciated all of those, all of these things. I spent like, I, even though I was from a big city, Bucaramanga, I spent a lot of time going to the family farm, um, on the weekends or on the days off from school. And I just loved going there. I loved going to the farm and running in the, in the, in the field and chasing the cows and the horses and just, being surrounded by nature. So I think that as a Colombian, I think that's in our blood to to love the outdoors, to to be out, to be outside.
1: For tourism, it was it was very tough. Before a trip, you have to call everyone on the route and ask if the situation was okay, if if no armed groups had been around, etcetera, etcetera. So it was a lot of work to to think on where to go, when to go, how to go
2: in March, I went to Inidida, right? I mean, Inidia for a very long time was an area that no one will dare to visit. Even now, when you talk to even some Colombians, maybe um, like the older generation, they will be like, you're going to Inidia? Like, really? And it's still that even for some Colombians, that mentality that certain areas were for so long of limit that like, like, it's still hard to understand that now we can visit them.
1: Putumajo is a department we have, you know, like, covering a little bit of the Andes in the south and the Amazon in the border with Ecuador. Putumajo has been opening up amazingly. And there are, you know, like, groups of local people birding and, you know, friends building lodges and reserves. So this is an area where you you can go birding now. And as a Colombian birder, for example, finding tons of birds that were not, you know, available a few years ago, we've actually found, like, bath-throated towi tyrant and you know like uh, forest delenia, they nominate subspecies. A lot of new birds for the Colombian list. There, that you know, that happens when you live in Colombia and birding the borders. And I think it's you know it's, it's developing in a nice way because even it's not I mean packed with Colombian endemics. Uh, birders, foreigner birders are looking at it because it's a it's a it's an amazing environmental area that we only share with a little piece of Ecuador. You know, like Rio Vigal and Cabana San Isidro. So it kind of opens up a completely brand new segment that people was never thinking. Like, oh, we can go and see fiery throated fruit eater. Where do we go? Only Ecuador. Now you can also come to Colombia. So it's pretty cool. I would say I would say the Colombians, you know, the the crazy explorers, more pioneering, lead a little bit the way, you know. And then you realize, oh, it's been safe here for you know a couple of years, and Then we, Colombians, start to go. And then, you know, eight years, ten years later, you know, you can can bring foreigners and magic.
0: This idea that Colombians are exploring their own country as parts of it become more safe and discovering lots of amazing new birds in the process is one that I talked about with a lot of the guides there. It's a brand new world, in a way, buoyed by a peace process that has even turned some former combatants into environmental allies.
1: We probably all are or were looking in these areas, you know, like they were looking for hiding. We were, birders were looking for rare birds. Nowadays that some of these guys came to the real, you know, non-armed life and they gave up the arms. They are looking for job opportunities and we are looking for, you know, increasing the the, the jobs and, and, and things on tourism. So, so yeah, the, the birds get to be, in some aspect the, the central point, like, you know, as I said in Spanish, Las Aves nos conectan, the the birds do connect us all.
2: The positive that came out of it is that a lot of those places actually got preserved, you know, like the, the habitat it's untouched, the forest is has not been deforested be- be or cut down because we couldn't go there. So now 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 that we're able to go to these places, there's a a big movement on preserving these places or making sure that you know what? It's untouched forest, it's primary forest, less protected. So I think that's a a positive thing thing that came out of the difficulties that we had, you know, during so many years. So we just have to see the bright side of things. One thing that that was really interesting to see in Colombia is, you know, the pandemic happened and every person that was dependent on ecotourism, well, they lost their jobs. However, instead of giving up, if you have noticed, what they did was um, rebuild it and make it better. Like a lot of like the the reserves and the lodges, what they did is like, this is the time for us to let's paint the rooms. Let's, Let's create a new furniture, like making things better. So when the tourism starts again, people will find it even better than the last time they were there. So I think it's just nice to see that even during the pandemic that they took the time to train the anteras to come to the feeders because they knew that, hey, in one year or two two years, we're going to have birders here again. So let's have the place even better. You know,
1: the silver linings of, of all this free time is that we we've, we've kind of, you know, capitalizing all this thing on nature and, and birds here. We see this happening, but we need more of big economical powers of the country, and we need more of these people just really, you know, betting on the peace. And and it's not only the, the guys that signed the peace deal; it's a lot of local communities that have the opportunity now after you know the, the peace deal was was signed. So we need more of these goodwill intentions on the big power of, of, of the economical circle because you know it's, it's making small businesses in Colombia is not easy getting to offer tourism and when you don't have the muscle.
2: I think they really are, are seeing how important, not just tourism in general or ecotourism, but how the birding tourism, how it's important to Colombia. You know, we're the number one country in the world to with the most species of birds.
0: You can take it with whatever size grain of salt you like, but it is my perception that the powers that be in Colombia do know that birding and nature tourism can be important drivers for not only economic development in the country, but an environmental ethos that will see a lot of these extraordinary places protected, and hopefully even keep the peace. At least that's the the hope with ecotourism generally. And there's more to come as the safe parts of the country continue to expand, as birders and researchers and scientists, both foreign and domestic, get to explore these places. The potential is really nearly limitless. That is, after all, one of the great appeals of Colombia.
1: The part that really excites me the most is the exploring of colombia i recently i went just for four days to the meccana uh peak in the baudon mountains and we found like several range extensions from pirre for endemics that are not anymore pirre endemics we found the pirre bush are new for the country sorry sorry with the Panamanian friends there we stole one of the few endemics that that's not need for my part but i would say that's that's the most you know challenging and and what keeps me most interested in in living and birding here is the exploration, man. It's like we're just barely understanding the ranges of some birds and how that really tells us more about Colombian biogeography. And this is funny, you know, Pirre is this mountain we share in the Pacific side with Panama in the Darien. And there's several birds named Pirre something, you know, Pirre hummingbird, Pirre, bushtana, blah, blah, blah. And they're not Pirre. Birds, because you know, this is like what happens when you name birds not exploring the full neighborhood. You know, that's what's happening in Colombia. We have the chance to go exploring, even you know, more and more every time with the past of years the neighborhood, and I, I do love that. I that, that I think that's what keeps me more enchanted and absolutely flower about being a just a bird watcher. You know, in Colombia, absolutely.
2: I have this mission of showing the world the real colombia as i like to say it and and show them you know how that it is safe how colombians really are it's amazing it gives you this this very like once again pride feeling to be able to see a, a part of colombia that you never saw before and and to be able to learn about the birds there you know to be able to learn about what makes this area so unique
1: i've got i've got these great friends that are you know good clients from several trips Emailing me or texting me from a from a pub, they're drinking a beer, you know, in Europe, midnight, and they're saying like, "Man, we want to go on a trip where we have the chance of finding a new bird for science, or at least like a new bird for the country." Or you know, like let's plan something crazy. That can happen in only a few neotropical countries, or you know, tropical, to be honest. And and Colombia is yeah, is the central. You know, Colombia is this this brute gem that you know we've been just polishing and polishing and, and you know seeing all the angles.
2: So there's definitely a lot to see in Colombia. I mean, it's it's people don't realize how big Colombia is, and uh, and I want to see it, and I want to document it, and I want to to show the world how biodiverse we really are and uh, and how safe it is.
0: Thanks so much to Diego Calderon and Eliana Ardila for talking to me about Colombia. Additional thanks to Pro Columbia, Nature NatureColumbia, and Roger Rodriguez Ardila. Thank you, Swarovski. The NL peers are spectacular, and particularly to Dale Forbes, who joined us on this trip, and whose recordings of Slate-Crowned antpitta, Scarlet-Belly Mountain Tanager, and Chestnut-Breasted Wren I used in this episode. The American Birding Podcast is brought to you by the American Birding Association. Support this podcast and all of our free resources for birders by supporting the ABA with your membership. You get our magazines, you get discounts to our partners, you get the knowledge that you are helping. You know all this stuff by now. Anyway, you get more information at aba.org slash join. I want to make some special shout outs this week to Lynell Stearns of Victoria, British Columbia, Rebecca Schnecker of LaGrange, Texas, Augustine Garcia Prieto, and family of Sperryville, Virginia, James Scott and family of Callahan, Florida, Phil Mendez, and the whole Mendez household of Sacramento, California, Andrew Kambauer of Washington, D.C., and Kathy McGraw of Suwannee, Georgia, all of whom recently joined the ABA and noted the podcast as a reason for doing so. Thank you all so very, very much. Executive producer of the podcast and president of the ABA is Jeffrey Gordon, who misheard me. When I told them about the as and assumed that I went to Hacienda El Roque, which was like a Colombian version of Hard Rock Cafe. Technical production is by John Lower, who thought that Coragenda El Bosque is like when you misidentify a tree and have to issue an official correction. Additional help comes from David Hartley and Greg niece who had a big argument about whether the agenda el kiosque was to do with who had a big argument about whether the Agenda El Kiosque had anything to do with an entire shopping mall filled end to end with one long sunglasses hut. You can find us at aba.org on Facebook and Twitter as American Birding Association or ABA. I don't want to tell the folks at Hacienda El Bosque how to do their job, but maybe if they added like a chocolate drink to their menu, they can call it the Restaurante Del Bosco at Hacienda El Bosque. Just an idea, throwing it out there questions, comments can come to podcast.aba.org. I'm Nate Swick. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy till next week.